we're actually going to finish Galatians. I'm going to review what we looked at last Sunday because it leads us perfectly into, of course, the fruit of the Spirit. So Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to begin here in verse 16. Now I say walk by the Spirit. Now there are two words in the Greek text here in the context that are translated walk. This, this word, peripatete, is to stroll along, to walk, to stroll along. So this is how it starts. Now I say walk by the Spirit, stroll with the Spirit. And you should not gratify the desire of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. For these are opposed to one another in order that you should not do those things that you might desire. However, if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. To review, we find ourselves as Christians... In a lifelong cosmic struggle, a war, life for us is a battleground. We are in this war that exists between the flesh and the spirit. We cannot win that war without the presence of the Holy Spirit. We can't fight the war. We don't have the wherewithal or the strength to fight the spiritual war that we are in constantly and we are in it until we die. We cannot avoid this war. We cannot stay off the battleground. We are always there as believers. That's part of who we are when we come to Christ. Because while our spirit has been regenerated and born again by the power of God, we still are walking around in flesh that is doomed and judged, in flesh that is unredeemed in a sense, in the sense that we are not yet glorified. So there's this struggle. Everybody faces it. But the difference between the believer and the unbeliever is we have the presence of the Holy Spirit. The unsaved man in his fallen state lives a life he cannot help. He's enslaved to it. That life, that depravity, that fallenness naturally produces in that person's life an unbroken Slavery, an unbroken desire, an enslavement to the works of the flesh. Now, here they are. That's how I looked at them last week, so we'll ignore the numbers. But I want you to note here that the, the term works is in the plural. We'll pick up on that in just a second, but the works of the flesh... These works of the flesh keep coming at us. 
Here's this sin and there's that sin. Here's this lust and there's that desire that works against God and, and reveals who I am as, a, as an unsaved person. And they're evident. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity or uncleanness, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, pharmaca, that word is uh, drug enchantment, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, contentions, dissensions, factions, envyings, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these as to which I forewarn you, even as I warned you before, that those doing such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul says, if this list of things characterizes a person's life, that person is an unsaved person. Doesn't matter if that person thinks that he or she has ever walked the aisle or prayed the right prayer or whatever. If this is the manifestation of the life of an individual, if this list characterizes a person's life, here it is. That person will not inherit the kingdom of God. How is that like that? Well, it's because it's because of the of the dominating depravity of the natural person, the works and the desires of the flesh. I told you it's in the plural because they come from everywhere. All kinds of terrible things. It involves, it involves sexual immorality and sensuality. It involves idolatry, worshiping things. Things in this world are so important. It involves drug enchantment, sorcery, hatreds, attitudes, horrible attitudes towards people, and outbursts of anger, tension, just can't get along. It's all about me and not about anybody else, drunk in his orgies. And that's not the full list. He just says, there are a lot of things like these. And if this characterizes a life, then that life will not inherit the kingdom of God. He's addressing these things because, as we've been studying in Galatians, the Galatians are bewitched, have been bewitched by Judaizers who have come in and have said to the Galatian church, you're not all that you need to be unless and until you first become a Jew and you observe the rituals of Judaism and then Christ can take it from there. But you have to continue these rituals or, or you're no good. Well, of course, that's not the gospel. We don't work to, we can't work to be saved. Christ came into the world to save us. So it has nothing to do with our behavior or our works. However, if you depend upon your behavior, then you're not depending upon Christ, which is evidence of a spirit that hasn't been born again. And without a spirit that has been born again, then behavior will become dominated by the natural flesh, the fallen man, the depraved nature of every child of Adam. We all are in that mess until we're redeemed. And Christ makes the difference. So 
Here's the first list, the works of the flesh in the plural, because it's just a list of stuff that piles on and then all kind of stuff that we do. And each one counts against you. Now, in Christ, we have the spirit in us. We have been born again. We're regenerated. It's a new life. Everything is new. The desires have been changed. The enslavement has been lifted because we are now redeemed and no longer enslaved. With that in mind, note, the fruit of the spirit is in the singular, not in the plural, but in the singular. This is not a complete list, but this is a list that shows us Attitudes which beget actions in our lives, not because of who we are and what we can do, but by a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The works of the flesh are produced naturally. The fruit of the Spirit is produced supernaturally. It is in the... It is in the it is in the nature of a fallen person, a, 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 an unsaved person, living in darkness and in sin, enslaved to that sin, not understanding, not being able to help himself or herself because it's natural. That's how we're born until the Lord saves us and causes us to be born again, as Peter writes. And as we read about it, as Christ himself spoke of in John 3, so these other things are just natural. Something goes along and it doesn't work out for us. We hate people. We're jealous. We strive. We argue. It's all about me. The pride of the flesh. And of course, the lusts and the desires of the flesh become dominant. And these are the things that such a person pursues. And these are the characteristics of that person's life. And you know what? He or she can't help it because of not being born again, not being saved. However, the Spirit abides in us when we are saved. Paul writes to the Ephesians and he says the Spirit takes up abode in our lives and he's given to us as a down payment, an earnest payment of the glory that's yet to come. The fruit of the Spirit now Here's what happens. My life is different now in Christ. The fruit of the Spirit. Attitudes which beget actions. And here we go. Love. Now, the word, of course, is a word that you hear a lot. Agape. Phileo is family love or friendship love. That's just a natural kind of love in the Greek text, and it's used in the Bible. Eros is a sensual, passionate desire that some translate as love. But this is the noblest of love. This is benevolent affection, such that a person would invest himself without being required to. Now, phileo love 
family love, whatever. Naturally, we, we, everybody, lost people and saved people, have a, have a natural investment in, in family life and in friendships. But agape love is something nobler than that. A benevolent affection. It is characteristic of God himself. So the first fruit of the, of the spirit is love and then joy. Joy is, 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 a, is a calm delight. Happiness. Life. I enjoy life because life for me in Christ is only getting better. And it will increase, increasingly get better into the ages of the ages of the ages. Joy. Joy. Kara. Arene. Peace. Peace, a, 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 uh, a contentment that I have. Now, peace, of course, means that we're at peace with God. And to be at peace with God is to have the greatest peace of all. Because nothing in life, nothing in death, how's that going to affect me? Because I have peace with God. Even if I die. I die at peace with God and I'm, it's just moving me from the here to the hereafter. Peace. Patience. Now, the word here for patience is macrothemia. It's different from what you see most of the time. Most of the time, the word that is in, translated patience in your New Testament comes from a Greek word, hypomene. Hupo means under and mene means to remain. And that patience deals with circumstances. To remain under that circumstance patiently, trusting God. So that has to do with circumstances in life. But this word, this Greek word here uh, that is used is a different word. Uh, and the word here, macrothemia, Macro means large or distant. Pushed, pushed, pushed bigger, pushed away. Thumia is anger, comes from thumos. So the word means that I push my anger far away. So this deals with people. This doesn't deal with circumstances necessarily. This patience deals with people. Relationships with people. I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to remain patient with people. And without the Spirit of God, I would otherwise be so angry that I would, that I would enter into strife and contention and perhaps even give birth to hatred. But this patience keeps me from that. My anger is pushed far away. Kindness. The word here, krestotis, uh, the, the word means uh, meekness, humility. 
goodness, moral excellence, faithfulness, truthfulness, trustworthiness, loyalty, gentleness, to be gentle, to have no meanness in my heart, but to have a gentle character with people. Not contentious, but gentle. Self-control, the last of the list here, means restraint, self-restraint. John Wayne could have used that in one of his movies where that guy kept poking him with a double barrel shotgun and then he took it away from him. What I ought to do is this and that, poked at the guy back. But I'm not going to do that. I'm not, no, I'm not. And then he said, the, mm, I won't. And then he hit him. Well, that's the opposite of what this is. And that guy slid down a muddy hill. This means that John Wayne should have just laid the shotgun down to restrain yourself, to keep yourself in check. The Holy Spirit of God gives us that ability. Things that we would otherwise collapsed into, we will not collapse into because of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, fruit of the Spirit. Against such things, there is no law. Now, this is a swipe at the Judaizers. You know, you have to do things if there's a law. You can't do things if there's a law against it or, or no law. In other words, you have, you, have to, you have to live by all these set of rules and, and not just, not just the, the Old Testament, but the man-made rules of the Judaizers in Judaism. But the fruit of the Spirit, against such things there is no law. You are neither forbidden from doing these things by any law, nor can any law enable you to do this. Because this is the divine power and presence of the Holy Spirit by whom... The fruit is seen in our lives. These are characteristics of a born-again believer. And in so many ways, this list is totally opposite of the works of the flesh. So it's a lesson in life. What, what, what are the characteristics of my life? There is evidence of salvation in a person's life. And here we're taught in partial lists, but good lists that are given, the contrast between a person without the Spirit of God, dominated by the works of the flesh, and a person with the Spirit of God, in whose life the fruit of the Spirit is seen. 
We have this great advantage as Christians. I told you earlier, we could not naturally live according to the fruit of the Spirit without the divine help of the Spirit, without the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We, we can't do that in and of ourselves. We don't have that power, that ability. And so the works of the flesh are what come out. But in Christ, we have this great benefit. Here it is. Now those of Jesus Christ, of Christ Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. All of those characteristics of the depraved nature, all of them, everything about them, every one of them, not a single thing was left off, were placed upon Christ. And he carried them to the cross. He who knew no sin was made to be sin so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Having never felt it or sensed it, the wholeness of it was placed on him and he suffered, not just physically. He suffered because just in the crucifixion and in the crucifying and, and, and putting away of everything that's wrong about me, Taking it upon himself, he sensed that the Father had forsaken him. And he cried out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so Christ in a sense, became all my sin and suffered with it on himself, in himself. And he crucified my flesh with its passions and its desires. And when I came to Christ by the miracle of God, I died with Christ. Some infinitely glorious day after I have finally put away all of the stains and nastiness of the flesh and they've been dropped into my grave. Just as surely as I was crucified with Christ, I will be raised with Christ. So in that sense, when he came out of the tomb, so did I. Already I'm seen as in the heavenlies with Christ, according to the will of the Father. So this is our great benefit. Now those of Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, we should also walk by the Spirit. Now the word for walk 
is different. Stoikumen. It's a military word. It means to march or to keep in step. Stay in the formation. Now, we stroll with the Spirit, as we said earlier. But we should also stay in step, march by the Spirit. We should not become boastful, provoking one another, envying one another. That's not the attitude of those in Christ. Such things were nailed to the cross. And I am enabled now by the Spirit of God, not by my own power, but by the power of God in me, in Christ, to see that in my life the fruit of the Spirit is produced. This is how it is with believers. We just don't live that way. We can't. That's not the power that energizes me anymore. That's not the, that's not the enslavement of my life. I've been set free from that. I've been redeemed. And I'm not in darkness anymore. I'm walking. In the light. So here we're given this great and beautiful contrast by the Holy Spirit through Paul's writing of what it is to be in the flesh and what it is to walk in the Spirit. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And He came into this world to save sinners. And the Father, by His Spirit, is calling sinners to be saved. There's only one way to be saved, and that's by faith in Christ. This is the great theme of Galatians. We are justified by grace through faith in Christ plus nothing. When we are saved, we come to Christ and he takes care of us. He does everything. We trust him. He deposits his spirit in our lives. He gives us a new life. He causes us to be born again. He redeems us. And he sets us free. If you're free in Christ, you are free indeed. Today, if you're here without Christ, you don't have to leave that way. If God is calling you to Christ, you'll know it. It's an unmistakable call. Whereby his spirit bears witness with our spirit. You might misunderstand something that I say, but you will never misunderstand the witness of the Holy Spirit. Your first great need in life is to be saved. 
that can be settled today. After you're saved, you should be obedient to the Lord's great commission and be baptized. Arrangements for that can be made today. And to be effective in your Christian life, you should join the work with other Christians in a local body of Christ. And study and fellowship with believers and work with other believers for the cause of Christ. That can be settled today too. In just a moment, I'll pray the benediction. And as you exit, we have deacons and their wives in rooms and you'll see them as you leave and you exit. They are there for you to pray with you, to lead you in the way that settles any or all of those needs that you might have in your life. Father God in heaven, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for Christ. Christ who died to save us and who lives to keep us and who's coming again for us. For your blessed holy word that is absolute truth that guides us in the path of light and dispels all darkness. Thank you for the privilege of worship and Bible study. Father, as we leave here, we pray that you'll strengthen us every step of the way, that we will be found to be true disciples of Christ, to be learning of him more and more every day. And Father, for anyone who is here today who needs to settle up with you in any one of those three ways, I pray, God, that you would intervene in their lives and guide them and give them the strength and calling that they need today. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.